0: Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. We are speaking with the one and only uh, lead guitarist and lead singer of Foghat, the one and only Charlie Yun, the new album. <laughs> the one and only. The one and only. The, the, you know, there is only one of you. And uh, Well, pleasure to talk to you, by the way. Bonjour, as we say in Montreal. How are you?
1: Oh, fine.
0: Uh, so you're up in Montréal, huh? Montréal, yeah. Uh, another, oh, that's the, awesome. So sort of the, the French-Canadian bastion of rock and roll. I mean, you're from Detroit or the Michig- Michigan area, which is rock and yeah. roll. I mean, you know, uh, Bob Seger, Alice Cooper, Definitely. Ted Nugent, you know, all had some great moments there. But uh, yeah, Montreal is the one. So we're celebrating 50 years of uh, Foghat with this new release, Eight Days on the Road. Available, by the way, folks. As a double CD DVD package on July sixteenth, twenty twenty one, on the uh-huh. band's label Foghat Records. Um, talk to me a little bit about this release because there is another live album that you participated in years and years ago called Intensities in Ten Cities, which was partly uh, recorded in Montreal. And guess
1: exactly
0: guess who yes. happened to be in the audience that night? Me.
1: No way. Hell That's yeah.
0: awesome. Yes. I saw yeah, Ted so and his swinging... I, I
1: have a, a storied past in live recordings, especially in your opinion.
0: It, absolutely. So l- let's start with the fog hat, but I do want to get to that sure. Ted one because uh, I've spoken to Ted about it many times. You know, as a kid going to all those early shows of, of Kiss and Aerosmith and Ted and whoever just... I basically went to anybody that came into town um it 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 affected me so so and you're part of that so thank you for that by the way sure oh hey thanks but let's talk about this one um recorded in november of 2019 when at the time you were allowed to tour now we're allowed to tour again but for a year you weren't uh at Uh daryl's house Uh, talk to me about recording it at daryl's house in in that sort of intimate setting because that's such a great place
1: yeah, um, it is a very cool club owned by Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates, as everybody probably assumed. And anyway, it's uh, Pauley, New York, is a relatively small town in southern New York, far enough away from the city to to remain independent. And uh, you know, it's it was um, an option for us to go in and play not only for the namesake of it, but uh, they had total in house video and audio recording. Uh, equipment so we said bingo here's an opportunity so we were at the end of our kind of touring run for the year and firing on all cylinders so uh, we went in there and recorded and um, ended up making a cd and a dvd out of it
0: that is a that's terrific so in terms of celebrating the the 50 years of the band You know, we have this release coming out. We've got this tour coming out. Will there be a a new album, a new studio album?
1: Uh, Yeah. In fact, we had a new studio album about four years ago called Under the Influence. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was a a, a really fun um, product to work on. You know, we recorded down at Dark Horse Studio in Nashville and we had... um, some old friends of ours uh, Nick Jameson, played bass on slow ride you know and he was the bass player back on that uh, fool for the city album back in the um, mid 70s and and Kim Simmons sat in on a couple of songs with us so that was fun but uh yeah we're um beginning uh, studio recording for another um, album of originals and it's going to be a more blues um directed uh style of uh original songs and also some old covers of like Robert Johnson and uh other things but um yeah that's our tentative plan right now but right now we're we're promoting this live cd yeah. and um real happy with it getting all kinds of really good reviews so well, listen, looking forward I, to seeing what it does.
0: I, I've had a chance to hear it. It, it, it sounds spectacular, and the and the a couple of videos up on YouTube look great too. Talk to me about joining the band because you know they're celebrating fifty sure. years. You're celebrating, uh-huh. I guess, twenty one years with the band. Um, yeah.
1: Talk to I've me about been, uh, f- with the yeah. band longer than the original band was together.
0: Yeah, and and you know it, it it always amazes me when you look at at some of these bands historically. There's always that one fan that goes. Oh, bring back the original members. But, you know, if you look at Kiss and if you look at at Iron Maiden or if you look at at Fog, you go, no, man, this band's kicking as it is. Um, Talk to me about coming into the lineup because, you you know, you do the Ted Nugent thing. You do Gary Moore. You do Humble Pie. Uh, Talk to me about how you and Roger got together and you went, "Okay, I'm in for this.
1: Oh, sure. Well, um, as you just mentioned, I was in um, a lineup of Humble Pie with uh, Jerry Shirley, the original drummer back in the late 80s and 90s, and we did a show in Toledo um, with Foghat, and it happened to be with the original lineup of Foghat um, back in 98, and I was excited just to see the original lineup back together, and um, yet I had a chance to open for them, and so Roger and Dave, um, who are, uh, were curious. You know who was going to be in the humble pie lineup and and attempt to cover some Steve Marriott vocals and uh, and so they what they saw uh, they really enjoyed and and that's how they remembered me. And a couple of years later, when Dave unfortunately passed, he um, suggested to Roger uh, that that he keep the band going and and uh, think about asking me to get in the band. I thought that was really nice, and Roger looked me up and gave me a call, and, and that was how it
0: happened. What a great story. In terms of when you join a band like Fogat that at that point already had a 26-year career, how do you approach it vocally? Do you, do you say, listen, I got to be like the original guy and, and deliver that sort of thing, or do you just say, no, Charlie, I'm just going to do what I do? Or, and, and how does the band and Roger come to you? Do they say, Go be you, or do they say, "Listen, we have a sound. We need you to be the right.
1: sound." Right. Yeah. Actually, the um, the respect that I have for the original um, musicians and material, I like to credit and do as great a job of doing as great a job as they did. So it's it's this labor of love that that is recognized with respect and. You know I might be able to throw in a little bit of my own um, identity in there, but but uh, it's honoring the initial effort of intellectual uh, creativity that that I really respect and honor because you know that's the reason that those songs are timeless. Uh, and that's why people love them and and so you don't want to very too far away from that because it is an identity that people identify with. So, you know, I'll, I'll experiment a little bit here and there, but mostly it's initially, you know, get it down right or as close as you can to the original. And then if you can, you know, improve on it or any in any way that you feel or, or just change things around a little bit. I mean, we always, change things up a little bit in the live show anyway. And you notice that other artists that are performing their own material will change things a little bit here and there. And yet I, I try to stay as close to the original just out of respect and honor for
0: it. And, and honestly, how are you going to improve on slow ride? I mean, that's, that's the epitome of a well, rock that's song.
1: exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. You know, and, and so yeah. it, it's one thing you know, to, um, to honor that, but, but to be able to do it is another thing, you know? And, and so it's like, those vocals are really high. And if, if you want to attempt to try to do that and then do it consistently and, and with performance, you know, it, it's a challenge. So, you know, let's, let's get the basics down first and, uh, and then go
0: from there. So let's go from there. Um, before I move on to, to, to your a little bit of the history with Ted, um, the Under the Influence album was a Pledge music campaign. And, of course, we all know what happened with Pledge music. Basically, it imploded and, and left a lot of fans and, and bands unhappy. What was your experience with, with Pledge? But also, is there still a place for this fan-driven uh, monetization of an album. And, and you, you know, can the fans still get involved? Was the concept good, but just sort of poorly executed?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I let my managers take care of all the, the financial parts of it. And um, it was uh, a great way to help finance um, recording because recording is not cheap. And and so, you know, uh, it, it's like an investment, I consider it. Like if you're buying stocks or something like that and and uh, you know we didn't really get all that much money from pledge, so uh, it's not like we took advantage of people, but it's interesting how these online companies or businesses or entities develop and then become a fad and then some survive and some don't. And it's like, you know, it's just like a crapshoot, but, um, it was kind of a wave there for a while, wasn't it? You know, everybody was getting a pledge going or it's like, you know, fund me, go fund me, you know, and all that stuff. But, um, regardless, you know, we got the album done and, um, you know, we had to dig into our own pockets quite a bit too. So, you know, we're real happy with, uh, with the product and had a really good time doing it.
0: Yeah, and listen, I I had an experience with Pledge in 2013. I put together a Kiss tribute album that had members of Guns N' Roses and Pantera and all that for a cancer charity in Montreal for a palliative care home. And it raised $35,000 for the palliative care home. And I had no issues. Pledge, you know, the, the campaign went 212%. They paid me on time. They, we we got a check to the palliative care home, uh, you know. The, the newspaper ran a story. That's store. great. It, it was great. So it C- was it congratulations. Was, Thank yeah. you, by the and, way. Yeah, it's good that you, yeah you didn't have any
1: issues. No. Yeah, all that stuff is it's like a crapshoot. You just never know what's going to happen because it's all brand new anyway, and there there's no oversight of it, and you know
0: anyway yeah and listen that's uh, history I'll, I'll finish i'll, I'll finish uh, on, on on that point on for the pledge uh, my wife my, my wife's father had died of palli of not palli of, of uh, prostate cancer and he had been taken care oh, of sorry. at this thank you at that at that home and my wife said you know we need to donate 100 bucks or 200 bucks to help him out and i said well, hold on let me call a few people and and it ended good up being a, a, a very good project and a very good experience. Uh-huh. So it, it's a shame that it that it way went belly go. up. But yeah,
1: I'm proud of you.
0: Thank you for that, by the way. And uh, you yeah, know, it yeah, was it was a sure. great it was a great moment back in in 2013. Uh, let me get over to Weekend Warriors. Uh, mm. Weekend Worries is the first album where you come in and uh, you play with Ted Nugent. Nineteen seventy-eight. And... Nineteen seventy-eight. Now, last year I did this great episode where I had Ted on the phone, and I, I'm friends with Tom Warman and I got Tom on the phone, and for an hour oh, Ted good. and <laughs> Ted and Tom spoke, and and it was kind of funny because you know politically they they are as divided as as possible, and it was oh, it I was,
1: wouldn't doubt it. Uh, it,
0: it was. It was great radio. I mean, it really was. But first of all, what was this like for you? Because you've got this hot producer in Tom Worman. You know, his stuff is blowing I'm up kidding. with Cheap Trick. And then eventually in the 80s, he moves on to Motley Crue. Motley Crew. And the, right. the man, The oh, man yeah. knows what he's doing. And he's got a beautiful no bed and breakfast by the way, out in Massachusetts. <laughs> I right.
1: don't doubt it, you know, and he was hooked up with Lou Futterman, who was Ted's executive producer, exactly you know, just dropping a name
0: well, well that's that's it and that by the way, on that 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 episode i we, we spent a lot of time talking about Lou, but so you, you sure. come in, Ted is at the height of his popularity. you've got this great well, producer, but you've also got this pressure of I gotta replace Derek St Holmes, which fans loved oh
1: yeah, you know, but that's okay. You know, big shoes to fill. Hey, that's, that's kind of like my job. And I don't mind that. And, and it's like, you know, I, I figure if he can bring it, I can bring it. And, you know, I had perfect pitch when I was in sixth grade. So, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to learn how to do this, but um, it, it was a fun challenge doing original music, especially with Ted. And he gave me some, you know, minimal parameters and, uh, you know, we went to town and we produced an album that sold a million copies the first week.
0: Yeah. Which, which is nothing to, uh, nothing to sneeze at, as we say, as the expression has it. Exactly. So, so, so how was yeah. that for you to, to work with, with Tom? Because, you know, when you speak to the guys, he was Molly, great. okay, so you, so he you're was on
1: really almost hands off, you know, he almost let you do it and he would be recording and he'd say, you know, um, Okay, tape's rolling, and and so you know it it just made you relaxed and be able to feel it and get into it, and and then um, they might say, you know, that was great, or you know, do another run at it, and uh, but it wasn't this like labor-intensive, microscopic scrutiny like some other producers, I'm not going to drop any names, right. um, have a habit of of making this, you know, totally pure, uh, unnatural feeling music. So he was just, you know, grab the raw talent and get it on tape. And and that's what works.
0: That, that That's what I agree with. I mean, listen, there, there's there's sort of two trains of thought. I mean, you've got Tom's way and then you've got Mutt Lang's way, which is, to you know, have uh, a, a hundred uh, cymbal crashes, uh, you know, over and over again. Um, Dropping,
1: yeah, drop in a-, a lead vocal every syllable.
0: Yeah, which is which is. you y- Listen, I like what he does with Def Leppard. I'm not sure it would work with Cheap Trick or or, or Ted because it's a different beast. You got to capture a different kind of vibe. Um, so then wow. your, your experience with Tom then was great because, again, like I was, like was yeah. going to say, with Cheap Trick or, or, or Nikki Six of Motley Crue, they have this revisionist history or, or D. Schneider of Twisted's, oh, Tom wasn't, a, our album should have been more metal, should have sounded. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> really? It's like, because uh-huh. yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure you're not refusing the checks that are rolling in from those platinum records. So
1: it, Exactly, you know. Ma- and, maybe thank you. You, you, you? Know, it, you just can't please 100% of the people all the time. So, you know, uh, Wormy had proven himself, you know, and, and so you just, if you're going to have a producer, then you got to go with the producer. You don't like hire a producer and then overrule them. No, I mean, you, 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 it's like telling the head coach, you know, in the, on the hockey team, uh, no, I don't think you're right, you know?
0: So. Yeah, you. Yeah, by the way, it's got to be so hard to be a head coach because I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, and, and they're, oh of course... Oh, my,
1: dude. I mean, you know, Detroit's my team, but but I've been rooting for the Habs ever since the first playoff game.
0: Yeah, of course, because who wants Toronto to win anything? But no, it's just it's just funny because we <laughs> we spent the entire year saying that the coach was a jerk, and now they're, uh-huh. they're in the Stanley Cup <laughs> playoff, and everybody's going, you know... Oh. He, he has a great system. Yeah. Sister. He, y- y- yeah. You know? And that's for like the great. music, right? It's like, oh, the yeah. the vocal this, the vocal that. It's platinum. Well, it's uh-huh. not so bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yep. ne- we're never yeah, happy. Exactly. Um, yeah. But speaking of Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and the Boston Garden, the Montreal <laughs> Forum. <laughs> right. Let's get over to Intensities in 10 Cities. Now,
1: uh-huh. okay. like I said,
0: I was at that Montreal Forum show and... When you hear Ted on the record, or you hear Cheap Trick on record, or you hear Motley Crue on record, it's okay, it's good, we like it, you know, Wang Tang, Sweet Poon Tang, it's great. But then when you capture them live, or you go see Cheap Trick live, or you go see, t- suddenly it's a whole new beast. It's a whole new experience. Yeah. Um, talk yeah. to me a little bit about that tour. Talk to me a little bit about Ted live because it really is night and day. And and I mean no disrespect to the yeah. albums. Yeah, we love the albums, but.
1: Live. No, it's just hard to capture all that, um, magnitude of influence that's coming at you at 115 decibels and, and the light show and, and being in the crowd and having this like camaraderie of craziness and, and just feeling all the energy. Uh, that's why live shows are just so much fun. And Obviously, everybody's, you know, can't wait to get out and go to live shows again. But, you know, uh, Mitch, you obviously realize it's just totally impossible to recreate all of that energy on some audio recording. Uh, And people have attempted and been very successful at at doing it. Foghat, for one. uh, Peter Frampton, you know, Ted, uh, and and just almost everybody else has you know live albums out ever since the mid seventies. But, but yeah, it's just um, one of those things. It's uh, it's that you just have to experience it to realize that that intensity, to use that word, is just almost impossible to to capture a hundred percent to relay back to the people from a recorded
0: it, it really is by. and I think Kiss is the, is the big example I mean uh, until Kiss Alive and you captured the spirit of what the band was it, it was almost pointless to listen and then you right. hear that and you go ah oh. right. Um, right. on intensities in 10 cities we, we know that live albums are sort of a compilation and, and, and you, you you fix things here and there but, but how pure is it in terms of of performance how much fiddling and diddling was done
1: well, gee, you know, that's over 40 years ago, so I, I'm going to try to recall, um, you know, how much um, editing or overdubbing, and I don't think we did much overdubbing, but as far as editing, sometimes um, extra crowd noise is added in, or, you know, if the recording wasn't done properly or effectively enough, uh, you know, you have microphones not placed in the right place, and uh you just have to try to embellish the the product however you can but um with intensities there was hardly any embellishing it was all just pretty much straight as it was recorded
0: now yeah, that that's great here and and uh, I'll get off at of Ted in a second but uh, you were of course that's on the screen right. uh, listen uh, Ted and I get along great uh you were on the screen dream um <laughs> album and uh-huh. recorded the song uh, part of the uh, of the recording was was Wango Tango which is one of the one of those great rock songs that lives on um, talk to me just a little bit about that album and and then being on this on one of these songs sort of like slow ride you know Wango Tango is one of these songs that just lives on and people go yeah I got to hear that um just talk to me a little bit about that album and and of course uh, working oh, on that Oh sure
1: sure that was the uh, third studio album that I uh, sang on with Ted. And at that point, um, you know, Ted was still writing all the music and, um, and, uh, he decided to sing more on that album. And, um, I had already sung all the tracks and then he decided that he was going to sing over, um, uh, more than half of them. And, you know, I didn't have a problem with that, but, uh, uh the songs that I ended up, uh, being on the album for uh, were kind of uh, B sides, you know, and and um, it's okay, you know. Ted Ted did a really good job with the lead vocals on that uh, album, and uh, you know, obviously, like on "Wango Tango," you know, it's it's a real uh, what would you call it a live uh, recording, and so um, it, it's just one of those comedy rock songs, like I call it, that that it's almost like a novelty song, but that shows Ted's sense of humor and, and his amazing creativity. The guy is just prolific as hell. And, and we get along great. And I I just really enjoyed recording on that.
0: that, It's such a a classic album. Uh, And and let's start wrapping up here. Eight days on the road, of course, is going to be followed by uh, some tour dates. Uh, How important is touring to what Foghat does?
1: Uh, It's very important. Um, That's where we um, stay alive. You know, it's our rock and roll pension program. And um, we've uh, done a really good job over the past 21 years that I've been with the band in in reestablishing the group after losing the lead guitar player and the lead singer, unfortunately. And uh, it, it hasn't been easy, but we've maintained this steady level of progression in getting bigger and better shows and bigger and better money. And um, it all comes with a a solid work ethic and and having the right lineup, having, you know, great um, bandmates, talent-wise and personality-wise, and having great management. So we've uh, reestablished the band uh, um, ethically and financially, which um, is, you know, really awesome to be a part of. Because, you know, being the lead vocalist, I have to bring it, you know, I have to bring it every concert, whether it's the seventh in a row and no sleep because we have to go to bed late and get up early and, and all that. Uh, but, but it's just been this 21 years of constant improvement and, uh, if uh if you get a chance to see us i'm sure you'll be impressed because it's like a moving train and it just doesn't stop until it comes into the station and and it's just so much fun being a part of
0: it yeah i, I look forward to it hopefully uh, we'll get uh, we'll get some fog hat up in canada it's been a while so it, it would be nice and, yeah you know hey it, it the would closest,
1: be closest f- the closest we've been to montreal um we were up there about 10 years ago and, um, it was just wonderful. But then we also played at, uh, in Ottawa, they had a, a big festival up there and that was about eight years ago, but I'm eager to get back. It's so beautiful up there and everybody's so nice.
0: Yeah. We, we got to get back and, uh, I'll finish on this. Uh, a lot of bands do the, uh, the, the farewell tour and then, you know, Hey, we're leaving. Uh, <laughs> I don't see any need for fog had to do that. I mean, the band continues on and it's been doing well and everybody wants to hear those hits. Uh, what's your sense yeah. on that? And is that it?
1: won't happen. You know, that won't happen. Roger is going to uh, rock till he drops and roll till he's old. And that's an old Dave uh, Peverett quote, but um, uh, yeah, Roger's going to keep playing, you know, he's run into some physical issues lately with uh where he's needed to start this new platelet therapy which is so awesome you know to be able to grow new cartilage um because being a drummer um you really get a lot of wear and tear on kind of like being a hockey player you know uh they're kicking stuff and they're slamming stuff and they're constantly um uh, banging things around uh, with their body and it takes a toll but anyway he's gonna keep playing forever and uh i probably will too and and so um don't worry fog not going away
0: good and and yeah i've always wondered about drummers and i, I especially look at the uh, yeah. at the heavy metal drummers that do all the blast beats and stuff sure. and, I, and i just look at them and go that's kind of effing hurt when you're 60 <laughs> you should just <laughs> yeah. stop
1: or these singers that <laughs> that do the growling and stuff like that yeah. you know Oh yeah, But, um, you know, hey, to each his own and, you know, do it as long as you can because it's so much damn fun and and go live it up, you know.
0: Yeah. And uh, forget the slow ride. It's going to be a long ride. That's what we want with Foghead. There you
1: go. That's a good one, Mitch.
0: And on that, uh, as we say here in Montreal, uh, merci beaucoup, Charlie. An absolute pleasure. I'm glad we got this done today.
1: Oh well thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate it. and and hi everybody out there and thanks for being Fog Hat listeners.
0: Thank you. Have a good have a good day. Merci.
1: All right. Take care, Mitch. Bye.
0: Bye bye now.